Hallo und willkommen zu einem neuen englischen Edition von meinem Podcast Helium Talk, das Kunstgespräch. Mein Name ist Jörg Heikos. I run the Helium Cobalt Gallery in Hamburg and I also may be known to some under my artist name Alex Diamond. Today you are listening to my conversation with artist and fellow podcaster Matt Gomdek. Matt runs Clean Break, a podcast about art and the business from his studio in Los Angeles, California. I came across the Clean Break podcast when I was pointed towards Matt's conversation with Jeff Soto a few weeks ago. And I was getting curious to learn more about him, and I saw the similarities between what we both are trying to achieve with our individual shows. Get more insight from professionals, gain more understanding of the art world, and share the knowledge of others with everyone who's interested. We did have some difficulties getting this one started from a technological standpoint, and I'm not going to bore you with the details only this much. I hope you don't recognize the quality drop in the audio in this final mix but I'm a bit disappointed with the current platform I use for these long-distance calls. We had to switch it pretty spontaneously because there were too many problems and I'm already looking into a new solution for the future. Thanks a million, Matt, for your patience. And here's a big thank you also to my listeners who made last week's Helium Talk with graffiti legend Mirko Reiser, aka Dime, into a very successful one right out of the gates. Yeah, no, it was in German only, but I got tons of great mails and messages and lots of love for this show. Not really turning into reviews or ratings on platforms such as iTunes, but hey, I have the strong impression that the people who listen to true art podcasts are not necessarily big on sharing their feelings about this with the rest of the world. Which is fine by me, I'm not doing this for the revenue or the fame, but because I feel it is very much needed in a time that throws most of the standards for how the art world works under the bus with force, brutal force. Oh well, let's keep it real. We're talking about art here, but please let me hear your thoughts on this. I wouldn't mind more interaction with you, my listeners. The stats for Helium Talks say there are plenty out there who listen to the shows and that makes me really happy, but maybe we can increase our engagement a bit more. Just a thought. So please, subscribe to this podcast, write to me at hello at heliumtalk.com, connect at the website heliumtalk.com, and maybe, most importantly, follow me on the Helium Cover Instagram, where I'm also open for your messages. The handle is simple. It's at Helium Cowboy, obviously. All right, here we go. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Matt Gondek from the Clean Break podcast in Los Angeles. I've been podcasting off and on for since early 2000s. Um, I used to live with two guys right after like I went to technical school for web design. And right after school, I moved in with these two guys and we had a website where we kind of made just funny videos and funny flash games and all kinds of little weird stuff. But at the time, uh, podcasting had just kind of come out and starting to become popular. And my roommate was really into the idea of it, trying to figure it out. So we started a podcast on the website too. Just talking about movies and games and whatever. And we did that for a long time. And on top of that, <clears throat> when I got into my art career, I always just kind of like going to high schools and, you know, art schools and kind of sharing what I've learned. And I was on a board of directors at the school I went to for a time. But about two years, two and a, maybe two and a half years ago, uh, my assistant kind of suggested that, that I get back into it just because so many different artists and like business owners are always visiting my studio. So I'm here in downtown Los Angeles. So a lot of people come here to begin with. They come downtown and, you know, I just thought it'd be kind of cool to talk to all these artists that I know and kind of pick their brain a little bit about, you know, just business advice or art advice and then put it on the Internet for everyone to listen to. Because I've I've always felt, you know, I've been doing this professionally for about 15 years And there's, there is information out there, but it's always, it just feels really impersonal and it's from people I've never heard of. And for me, if I could hear one of my favorite artists, you know, like I interview somebody like, like Jeff Soto, for example, or Alex Pardee, if I could hear them in their own story, talk, talk about how they did what they did, 
I, I think I would find that information much more valuable than just reading some website or something. So that's that long answer is why I started podcasting. Yeah, I think, but I think it's a good, good way to exchange information. So do you mostly speak with artists? It's about maybe 80, 80 to 85% artists, just because I know a lot of artists, you know, like we sure. also do, we do gallery owners. We do, you know, people that own businesses. Like I just spoke with a, a person that works for an auction house, you know, that auctions off art. So just kind of learning how to ensure your art collection to find out how to value your art collection. Uh, I've spoke with people that work at like record labels, you know, just because of the, the design aspect of it. Uh, ad agencies. So I do kind of, you know, spread out the advice because, you know, even if you're not trying to work in an ad agency, that guy sure, I'm sure he knows something that could apply to what you're doing. So I think it's just valuable to talk to as many people as I can and share it. Yeah. I think we have a, a similar approach. I've, um, <clears throat> I started this as a, as a TV show in the gallery, which we only did two or three times a year because it was always very, very, It was a lot of work, you know, set up the the cameras and everything and invite guests and all these things. So I moved to the podcasting platform last year in February and I started, uh -huh. I started talking to artists initially as well, but I've, I've, I'm mixing it through because I think art is a very important part of, of uh, what well, it is my life and of the lives of many. So there's a lot of people that can actually add to the knowledge. And, and for me, that is one of the main reasons too, why I do this podcast, try to exchange, uh, with others, um, how they see how, how, you know, so how they came into the business, how they survived this, um, yeah. as well. Yeah. And, but I mean, of course you, and being in Los Angeles, you have a much better direct access to record in your studio all the time or. Yeah. I mean, some, every once in a while I'll do like a Skype something, but, mm -hmm. uh, I, I kind of just try, I kind of do it in my studio because I'm already here and it's just, yeah. it's just easier. You know, like I actually, I have an assistant that handles the, you know, the production of the podcast. He sets everything up, he edits it. So it's just easier, you know, to invite the guests here because we have the space, we have a recording studio in my studio now. It's just easier and it just sounds better and it's going to be a better final product, I think. Yeah, definitely. I, I've, unfortunately I have to reach out or I have to use, uh, the internet for these conversations for, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm switching. I have one week German, one week English podcast and the English podcast. I usually record well online through Skype or well now through Skype. Um, <laughs> well this time, first time the debut now. Yeah. Uh, and it's always very much, it's more, a little bit more, of course, personal when you sit in the studio and look into each other's, uh, uh faces when you're talking and, um, it's a much nice atmosphere. I agree. And also technically it's a, it's a better point, but, uh, a better production in the end. But I also think that, you know, so it's in Los Angeles must be easier to get hold of, of the people, you know, to, is it, is it difficult? Do you have some guests that, um, that refuse or will never show or, well, if they're too busy, that's fine, you know, but you can, you have a, how often are you, you publish once a week or? Yeah, we do an episode every week. And I mean, obviously I've, I've have, I have asked certain people to be on the show and they just said no, or they kind of, you know, they mm -hmm. say, yeah, but they just never come over and it's fine. You know, not everybody. Sure wants to to have their voice recorded and share what they know and some people just don't want to do it and that's fine but i mean i ob obviously because i'm in los angeles there is a very wide net that i can cast to get people on the show so it definitely does help you know like if i was you know maybe in the middle of america it might be a lot it, it'd be way harder for me to have the guests i have on the podcast just because they're all here in los angeles mm -hmm. so it definitely helps being here yeah no, I agree. Yeah, I've, I've I've listened to a few of yours. You also did um, one or two in Miami, right? Doing the art fair. So then you just move your your equipment over there and sit down with the artists. Well, we actually uh, recorded that at a radio station there. Uh, oh, wow. My buddy, yeah, my buddy that lives in Miami, he's a big component of Art Basel every year, and you know he he's a big fan of this podcast. I've had him on here twice, Brian Butler, yeah. and um, he he just likes to be involved and. He, he knew I was coming to Miami for Art Basel and just kind of offered like, hey, maybe we could get together and record some at this, this station called Jolt Radio. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that was I, that was the only two where I was traveling. I mean, I've done maybe two or three here on Skype, but the rest are always in my studio. Yeah, you, you spoke to Alex Yanez, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. Alex Yanez and Hoxo, both from uh, Miami. 
Yeah. yeah, listen, I listened to that one. You know, there's a was particularly interesting. Probably explains a little bit the difference of the markets that we're in. Um, I uh, I made an exhibition last year. <laughs> That's why I found it so interesting to listen to the Yannis uh, or Yannis. How do you pronounce him? Yannis. Yannis. Um, and uh, and uh, a friend of mine co-curated the exhibition, another artist, Rune Christensen from Denmark, and he suggested Alex uh, to come over, and he said yes. Uh, well, not come over, but supply work, and then we never. After he gave his okay, we never heard anything of him again. And this is this oh, happening wow. in this business. It's not because he's a bad person. It's just, you know, so it's, we're so far away. You know, it sounds like we're in a very big city in Germany, but I've discovered this with a lot of people from America or from abroad that it's very attractive to show in Hamburg, but there's so many other things happening that this might, you know, sort of in the end, be not important enough, you know? And I mean yeah. that, I mean that not in a bad way. I'm not, I don't want to, you know, sort of, I just, I just find it, found it interesting that um, that it's uh, it's uh, it's such a well it's a tough market simply you know you get I mean you you're actually in your gallery that you're in we're coming to that later a little bit but I saw a, an artist actually who is from Hamburg Ten Ten uh, a friend of mine and who I know who's also showing with them um, so there it's not that we're far behind it's just that we're you know, sort of far away in certain terms. And and the, the American industry and market is just much more advanced. Also in regards to podcasts, we're still trying to explain to people here that they should have an app on their smartphone where they can subscribe and listen to these podcasts or that it's very important to leave uh, uh, ratings on I, uh, iTunes, et cetera, et cetera. And because it's still very new for people, it's just a, a market where people think it might boom in Germany and nobody really knows if that is the case. Whereas in America, I think it's very normal, you know, it's standard. I, I think I, I agree. I think it also depends. And, and I, I've never been to Hamburg, so I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just talking about my own past experience. I used to live on the other side of America and where I grew up, it was more blue collar, which maybe if you don't know what that term means, like very I mean, working, yeah. working class people, not a lot of people that had money for luxury items like high end art. So just from that demographic there, I could see why there wouldn't be as many people listening to an art podcast, you know, having the app on their phone because it wasn't such a thing. We're here in Los Angeles. There's a much bigger market for luxury items like, you know, nice clothes, nice cars, uh, high-end artwork, whatever. So, and I'm, the reason I'm saying that is because I don't, like I said, I don't know much about Hamburg, but maybe that's the thing. There just isn't a lot of people there yet that's into like high-end art. And another thing to touch on is, you know, I've, I've learned in my own experience that I'm sure the gallery in Hamburg is great. It's just the fact that as an artist, it's really risky to create a body of work and then ship it overseas to a gallery unless you have a really good understanding of that gallery because like let's just say i'm gonna, I'm gonna invent a gallery in in we'll say sweden called xyz gallery i'm just making that up yeah. you know what if, what if they asked me to do a show and i send them 10 paintings that i spend six months making and they steal them you know or they never pay me it's much harder for me to go after them legally because they're in another country so mm -hmm. Maybe Alex, you know, didn't have enough research about the gallery or something, because that is something it's 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 risky, you know, to to create work and send it overseas without paperwork or without knowing the gallery. But it does happen a lot. But yeah, I know. But interesting, interesting enough is that German artists or European artists usually don't have these concerns. Um, and American artists more often have these, these, these concerns in regards to shipping. It's, a, it's, it's actually, uh, I've, I've been doing this business for, for many years. And I remember when, when the fairs came up and, um, and scope was started and stuff like that, we were pretty early on with scope. And when they, the first year that we went over in 2006, I think they actually invited us. They came out of the blue and said, Helium Cowboy, you're sort of like one, we were one of the biggest names in, in Europe for this kind of work, for this kind of art. And we would love to have you over, but we were still kind of small, you know, even though we were just like on the, you know, sort of one of the top five galleries in Europe representing this kind of art, these younger artists, this, you know, sort of, uh, you know, sort of art that was like 17 years ago, not a household name, you know, so to say. And, and we were just like, yeah fuck yeah we're gonna do this fine we're coming to miami you know and it was a it was a very interesting time to come and then then when scope came over to to europe then they went to basel for example they had huge difficulties getting american galleries over because it's just like how's this with shipping how's this with tax house and there's there's 
but but I always think it's because the American art market, as well as the like the the, the podcasting market, is much more advanced in your own country and maybe there are different expectations that you have from what might happen here in germany hamburg is the second largest city in germany and in regards to money this city is rich you know we have okay a very wealthy city and people are interested in art um uh, but we have a smaller gallery scene than Berlin, of course. We have uh, uh, fewer collectors in this in this city than uh, in America. This is a this totally different understanding on how art market is being approached, you know. And um, but that that said, I think in regards to the the podcast and all these things, it's it's just because things have always been we've always been developing slower in these terms than in the united states in regards to internet this is going on for i know since mid 90s um and um and i think that's i don't know that's germans are very very careful and and <laughs> in certain regards but i i think with alex the thing with alex was probably just that you know so it's just too much to do we also know this and it was just an invitation to a group show um i yeah. was i just found it funny i just as i said there's no there's, i don't want to blame and i just like his work and i think uh because we're both working with wood you know it could have been a nice thing uh to to have him here and and also i didn't i didn't know of him before it's also the, the other thing you know it's like so many artists out there right now that uh, that you've never heard of and there has to be some connection at some point and that can be a podcast there can be an email there can be an instagram post that, that that's being shared where you actually discover somebody new i mean coming to you now i've uh, i've listened to your podcast because uh, uh jonathan levine listened to the one with jeff soto uh, with you and then i listened to that podcast and then um then i learned uh, about that you're an artist too and then i checked out your art and i was like man this guy's big you know it's not like some artist that you've, you shouldn't have never heard of but you have a big followership you have a, a great gallery that represents you have good shows and um, and uh, i personally of course like your work because it fits you know sort of perfectly in what what i like to look at in art but but you're you know sort of you're also a, a large name in the in the united states so uh how how did you how did you coming from what was it philadelphia or I, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, yeah, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, yeah. so how did you get from 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 Pittsburgh uh, uh, to uh, being a celebrated podcaster and artist in Los Angeles? <laughs> uh, well, I've been doing this for about 15 years. Uh, my background was I, I when I first got started, like in the business aspect, uh, I was a freelance illustrator in the music industry. I just grew up uh, playing in a lot of bands, and I was really I went to a lot of concerts and everything. So that was my first passion, you know. So I, when I got started, what I would do is, you know, I would go on like MySpace at the time or go buy all the, new, the, the music magazines. And every single band they mentioned in that magazine from page one to the end, I would find them on MySpace or find their website and I would email them. And it's like, hey, my name is Matt Gondek. I do band t-shirt design. I, I make album covers. I can do posters. And I got the ball rolling that way. And I did that for a long time. But I found that uh, in the music industry, at least for me, it was really hard to 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 make a lot of money if you didn't work a lot. Like I maybe I I must have worked from twelve to sixteen hours a day, and I wasn't making good money at all. And what else was bad about it was I I, I worked from home, which was nice. But I mean, I would roll out of bed, walk into the other room, get on the computer, and stay there, and then go back to bed. You know, at, at night I didn't I didn't leave the house, didn't talk to anybody. And I was just really, I didn't like that. I, I was really getting depressed and I was getting just tired of, of making work for other people and like, you know, do an illustration, but then put the band name on it or something like that. Just, I got tired of it. So when I turned 30, I opened a store in Pittsburgh that sold, uh, you know, like little clothing brands, uh, my own artwork, just little things like that. And again, I found I didn't like doing that either. Uh, I didn't like having to show up there every day and like kind of do that kind of life. So, but I kept trying things, right? So I was trying to think of other stuff I could do. And I just kind of started painting on a whim, uh, just out of not knowing what to do and kind of being depressed. And I found I really, really enjoyed it right from the beginning. Like the, what I was, what I was missing with the freelance illustration was when I was doing that, I was just in my house on my computer. That was it. But when I'm painting, you know, I have to, 
I, I can physically pick that painting up. I'm getting pain all over myself. Uh, you know, I can I can hand that painting to somebody. When I'm painting outside, I'm outside. You know, I'm with other people painting. I'm talking to people. It's much more social. And I just enjoyed all of that so much more than sitting on the computer. So uh, my background was, you know, selling illustrations on online. But now I had physical paintings and I didn't know how to sell them because I had no knowledge. So my first art show of my paintings, I actually went to a bar in Pittsburgh and asked if I could have a show there. And they said, yeah. And I got started that way where, you know, I had a couple bar shows and then I moved to Los Angeles with my wife. Uh, we just wanted to move. You know, a lot of our we were, we were married by that time. A lot of our friends were married as well, having kids and we never wanted kids. And we wanted to maybe move and just try something else. So we moved to Los Angeles. And, you know, when I got here to L.A., I started, you know, looking around, trying to talk to other artists, you know, find galleries like there's such a there's more artists here. There's more galleries. And on top of that, what was nice about L.A. is, you know, I live two blocks from a huge deface mural. Uh, there's a night show mural up the street, you know, like Crayola. There's these world class world class artists live in Los Angeles. Their work is on the streets. Their work is in the galleries. And just being in that environment and seeing it every day, it reminds you like if you're if you're trying to do this for yourself, you need to be as professional and as, as serious as these guys are. And that was a really big help for me. So that's kind of how everything got started. Uh, you know, I started finding galleries on Instagram and talking to them and having shows here and there around the United States. And eventually I found the gallery I work with now and they invited me to go to Hong Kong to do a show. And that was about three years ago. And when I did that, my I really saw my career kind of take off. Uh, you know, I started being treated seriously by collectors and everything. And I realized it was a really huge opportunity for this serious gallery to to work with me. So I really like kind of buckled down and, and got serious about just making really great artwork and like getting everything perfect and trying to really refine the parts of my business that needed help. And that's really it. That's that's kind of my background. Well, we actually have a nitrous uh, mural just around the corner from the gallery as well. But <laughs> that's awesome. What what I meant by that was in I know, Pittsburgh. No. But that it, wasn't anything. Yeah, but I know it's different. it's totally different. I mean, of course, you're you're basically right in the in the center where where things are happening. And I also think yeah, one thing is well, for young artists. I mean, one question you know, sort of when young artists always ask me how they get into the whole business and the whole, and the whole gallery thing and and how they get an understanding about the whole whole whole, whole um the, the whole venture they're actually starting on on and and I think one of the best experiences you can make is that you can go to galleries that you can actually just go to shows you know go to shows you don't even like afterwards you know but just do it you know try out um to look what you know sort of uh, you know sort of I mean if you have if you have gallery exhibitions in your town, you should go there. But if you're in Pittsburgh or if you're, I don't know, in a smaller German town, the galleries will not be interesting. Um, the shows will not be interesting. In Hamburg, we have good shows, you know, sort of great shows, but definitely not like in, in Los Angeles where everybody's coming, you know, everybody's coming to the, to the big cities. We have this now in Berlin. So if, you know, some of the larger artists, you should just travel to Berlin and take a peek there. I think the move going to Los Angeles for an artist uh, like you was uh, definitely, I think, a uh, pretty wise one, you know, because you get oh, the yeah. experience firsthand, you know? Yeah. I, we, we talk about that a lot on my podcast here, you know, in America, somewhere like Los Angeles, New York, you know, maybe Chicago, Atlanta, just a, a bigger city. It's if you're trying to be an artist and run it as a business, you need to go where there's more people that will appreciate art. Not saying that the smaller towns don't. It's just there's less people there that, that do. You know, and I think you're absolutely right. Moving to Los Angeles changed my career. It it helps so much. Like there is an argument to be said about being an, an online artist. You know, you technically you can live anywhere and, and ship your art, but just like you said yourself, going to the galleries, being face to face, meeting your peers, making connections in person, it's so much stronger than just sending emails and phone calls back and forth. Yeah, sure. Or uh, check out YouTube videos uh, to understand how things. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. But I mean, that's I've I've had a um, last week. Um, I've uh, I had a, I made a podcast with uh, with Dime, uh, Milko Reiser, yeah. who was who was uh, probably the most famous German or one of the two or three most famous German graffiti artists, and and he actually also says, you know, like the networking is a 
is a very, very important part. It was easier when it wasn't the grown up driven industry, when graffiti artists were just like these 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids. They just figured out what they wanted to do and there were, were no galleries, no experiences from other people that said, okay, you have to do it this way and this way because they were, they had to build you know, so like networks themselves, you know, they, they had to go to New York and meet somebody or they had to hang out together and just take, make the decisions themselves. And today I think it's very, very difficult if you're always just looking online and see what other people think, you know, and yeah. And, and I think if you're getting the firsthand experience, I think a podcast is a good way to get that because we're just talking for an hour and, and we're not holding back, then it's, then it's a good podcast. Um, uh, unless of course you're as an artist, uh, or gallerist, you're already so far away from everything that it's the pure PR talk, but I've, I must, I must <laughs> say, yeah, but I'm, I mean, there are some people, but I've, I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've listened, I've listened to the, to the juxtapose podcast with, with Shepard Ferry. And he actually is in my eyes, he should, he should be a PR person, but he's still so open and he's still so direct in many ways, you know? And, um, and I think if you, if you keep that to some certain level, you can always, you can always you know, sort of learn from these people. I mean, when, when you're going to an exhibition and you meet someone, it doesn't have to be Shepard Ferry. It can be another artist. It can be just the artist that exhibits there. And you just talk to them for five minutes and see, you know, sort of hear their thoughts for a little bit. I think that's, um, yeah, that's the best experience that you can get in the, in the beginning. What I've always told people when I've been asked that a good friend of mine, actually an artist from Hamburg, Emma Lousy, he's, um, He'd love his work, you know. I mean, he's he's really good. He's a great guy. And he a few a couple of years ago, he wanted to show exhibit at my gallery, and I liked his work, but I did not have any space for him. And I I'm taking the gallery part very important and very serious. If I'm going to show somebody, I need to be sure that I can devote enough time to this person. If I am just taking this person on because he's currently just a hip or or you know I personally just like his work, but I I have enough artists on the roster and can't you know sort of dedicate time to him or you know so like these days where the business is weak we don't have business I don't have staff to do this and you know sort of uh, it, it's it's difficult so so I told him you know so he has to go to a different gallery um, but we we went out a couple of times and he said okay you have to give me a tip at the point of my career what should I do now and the thing I told him at that point is go go to new york <laughs> yeah go to new york live in new york for three months live for half a year you don't have a wife you don't have kids just do it you know just just get to a city where where there's a totally different history of art and a totally different experience in galleries and and those those i think three or four months in new york helped him but would, do you think i mean and at that time los angeles wasn't even nobody was really thinking about los angeles at that time los angeles has developed in these past i don't know what 15 years a lot right would you say yeah. that los angeles is more important now for New York or is it more important for urban art or no no I I I don't have the like I said I've I've only been painting for about six years so my knowledge is limited and I don't want to come off like I know more than I do from the outside looking in in a lot of ways I think L Los Angeles is strong and I think New York is strong but I think they're strong in different ways I but just growing up on the east coast near New York the people in New York are a lot more they have more of like a rough edge to them. Their their lifestyle was more go, go, go. Uh, and I, I, I see that in the people I know from New York, the artists I know from New York, where here in LA, people are more like a, a little bit more calm and relaxed and ideas are maybe a little more free-flowing in that aspect. But I do think that both both things cultivate great artwork, you know? I I like living in Los Angeles and having... Like I like living on the West Coast in Los Angeles, but having my East Coast mentality because I kind of have a little bit of both now. Uh, I think, you know, you could be in either city and have a strong art career. I personally wouldn't live in New York because of the weather. <laughs> like if I could pick, I'd much <laughs> rather be here in Los Angeles. You know, it's nice here all year. How was, how was the weather back in Pittsburgh? It's that climate yeah, there? It's It's very similar to New York, so I'm glad I'm not there anymore. A lot of snow. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know. Things are changing here tonight. Today, actually, it's like it's uh, it's, uh, it's only April, but it's 25 degrees outside Celsius, and which is very warm and mild. That's for, good. For, for, yeah, yeah we're here and not warm for Los Angeles, probably. No. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I know um, the West Coast pretty well. I've been traveling the West Coast a lot since I was 12 years old, I think, because I had relatives there, and. Um, 
and uh, and I think it's uh, it's also it's a very different w- w- vibe. I can agree to that between New York and Los Angeles. Um, it's just a, America is just a very very big country um, compared to Germany. I mean, we have a lot of people living in this space, but uh, well, we don't really have an ocean. We have the Baltic Sea and we have the the North Sea, and there no comparison to the Pacific or the Atlantic Ocean, things like that. And and uh, and our coastline is you know sort of well, you can drive it along it during a day, I think, you know, and you've seen it all, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah, but it's, uh, it's for me, it's, it's very interesting what has happened in Los Angeles in these past years, um, alone. I mean, if you've had one podcast with Andrew Hosner from ThinkSpace, for example, I think, yeah. I think he made it, I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm also saying this because I recommend everyone to listening to this podcast, to listen to your podcast too, because uh, the one with Andrew, for example, was very, very interesting because he described something that in this way would never be able in to happen in Hamburg might eventually in 10 to 20 years happen in Berlin, but how they open think space, the whole history behind that. And, uh, and I leave that to people to, to listen to that podcast, to find that out is something, something very, very different. Um, you know, so in regards to the lifestyle and in regards to what's actually happening at an opening and, and how you can grow this as quickly, Germans are pretty hyper resistant. Um, and, uh, and there's, uh, the, the, it's, it's very difficult to get like 2000 people to an opening here. Um, I've, I've managed this, this once close to that many years ago, but that was a huge event and we were already in existence for, I think five or six years and we were the only gallery here in, in Germany, I think from, from the whole urban art and new contemporary, which we didn't call it at that point in time, you know, it's, it's a new war term that was actually uh, these art fairs in New York and Miami and Basel. So we were, we were around a little bit, but it was it was so much effort to make a show like this here. And the, the thing what people said that, you know, at that time, you know, what the, the comment of most people was like, this feels like New York. You know, and yeah, and if you can achieve that in Hamburg, of course, you know it might work. But this is only one off, and and the and the thing that 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 happens in in Los Angeles, I think also the exchange is is a lot better. One of my artists actually lives in Los Angeles for a couple of years, Victor Castillo. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know him. So I think the the fact alone that there are so many artists that live there that have a lot of history and that you might be able to get in your podcast. Um, I think that's great because, uh, you know, it's just, as you just said, just reaching out through email and through messages. It's, we're just, we're living in such an oversaturated world right now that it's, it's sometimes hard to get, get through by any means of communications to certain people. How do you, how did you, how did you find your, your gallery? I mean, Avenue des Arts, you said they're coming from Hong Kong originally. Yes, that's true. Uh, yeah. So like I said, I, when I first got started, I was showing in bars, you know, and then I started finding galleries throughout the United States just by sending DMs, like, you know, working out, negotiating there, whatever. Uh, so how I got started with Avenue des Arts from Hong Kong was I found that when I was posting, uh, my paintings on my Instagram, I was getting a lot of attention from Hong Kong people, just really wanting to, to buy my work, whatever. And at the time I was doing commission based paintings and I was starting to get a lot of commissions from people that lived in Hong Kong. And I guess at some point, one of these people went to Avenue de Arts in Hong Kong and just kind of brought my name up to Dimitri, the owner. So Dimitri reached out over DM and said, Hey, I'm going to be in Los Angeles in a few months to just come and visit some artists, some galleries, whatever. I'd like to meet with you. I said, sure. So, you know, we had a meeting at the time and showed him my work and everything. And he said, yeah, I'd like to do something with you eventually. And I said, okay, whatever. And like maybe a year goes by. And uh, I was actually, uh, we have a thing, well, well, powwow, the the mural festivals. I was in, yeah. uh, So I was in Massachusetts here in the United States for uh, powwow. And I slept on a couch the night before and I wake up in the morning and I, I have a DM uh, from uh, Dimitri from the gallery. It's been like a year. Like, hey, I have an opening at my gallery here in Hong Kong in two months for a show. Do you want to do it? And so at the time, I have never, I never had had a, a solo show overseas. I had a couple pieces and group shows, whatever. So I was, I was so happy. I'm like, yeah, of course. But I didn't have any paintings. So, you know, I came back to LA and I think in like a month I, I made, you know, 10 paintings and like nowadays it takes me like a month to make one. It's crazy. But, uh, that's how I got started. You know, it just, 
that I, I, I found out that I started having buyers in Hong Kong. They, they, they talked to the gallery for me and it all kind of worked out naturally, but it did take a while. Uh, that's it. That's how I got linked up with them. Yeah, and they, I mean, the, 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 the interesting bit about, um, sort of like your work is that i mean I, i've looked at the up look the gallery up of course um i think it fits perfectly in there so i i, I can understand why you, you kind of you have to have a good feeling about the gallery you're working with um yeah you know it's just like they have to it's it's not just about having your name on 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 a list uh, or in a show it's also have to take care of what you're doing and and have to understand and uh, and uh, they have to be able to how do you say that well transfer your ideas to other people i mean if they're showing your work in hong kong you don't you're not always there uh or yeah. even when you're there in, in you're in los angeles or on the art fest that they're going to so basically they have to have to have a deep understanding of what you're actually doing and and you call your is that is that from you the the deconstructive pop artist is that the term De that you deconstructive uh, pop art is that something that you came up with or is that something that people labeled your work with and uh, there's I actually mean, i'm sorry go ahead No, no, I'm just, I mean, if you look at it, you totally understand. The first thing I read this somewhere when I was, uh, when I was uh, researching you and then I looked at your work and said, yes, of course, <laughs> you know, it makes total sense. <laughs> I, I wish, see, I'm not at that PR point in my life yet. I'm going to tell you the truth. I wish I came up with the phrase deconstructed pop art. Uh, before I started working with the gallery I work with now, I did a show at a retail store here uh, in Los Angeles called Ron Robson. It's uh, in Santa Monica near the beach. And I was bringing the paintings in there to be hung. And, and the owner, Ron, was like, so what do you call this? Deconstructed pop art? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what I call it. That's perfect. So he's the one that came up with it. And I just kind of took it and ran with it. Yeah, yeah it's it, it it's perfect. It's exactly what I do, which is great. I wish I would have came up with that, but I didn't. Well, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, you don't have to come up with it. You're the artist, you know, let other people yeah. think about it. You know, I mean, it's, it's also yeah. another thing that's, you know, if you, if you start to think too much about what you're doing, then I think your art does not necessarily suffer, but I think the less barriers you build up, the more you let loose, I think, uh, you know, so the, the, the more personal your art will, will get. And, and those influences, all the, I mean, it's in your work, basically there's, there's, It's there's every cartoon character everybody have a, has a relationship with you know um, yeah there's there's uh, there's uh, I mean technically I think your work is, is stunning it's 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 really it's really amazing how you how you take this how you take it apart and how you add media's characters and figures apart and how you compose it the composition especially is uh, is very intense. Um, and you know, I've also seen you, you put this on huge walls and, and I'm not unfamiliar with, with, with spray cans and working on walls. I'm not a graffiti artist or anything, but I'm not, you know, sort of, I understand this and I, I've, uh, I've worked this way, but when I look at some of the walls that are painted today, including yours, uh, how, how do you, how do you get like an idea that starts in your head on a canvas and then even on like, I don't know, a wall that is, is huge. Yeah. 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 Well, there's, there's a lot of tricks. Uh, so like I said earlier, my background is digital illustration. So like, for example, the composition of how to lay things out on a canvas or a wall, it comes from that just, you know, back then it was a shirt or it was a poster and same thing. Like I have to put these elements in this space. How can I make it look engaging? So that's how I got started. Um, a canvas, you know, it's here, it's personal, it's in the studio, you have more time, but a wall, you don't have a week to lay out the painting, you know, or you, t t you have time constraints every, you know, also it's, it's hard if you're sketching on a wall, like you're just going and sketching, you know, you climb a ladder, you do a few lines, you have to climb off the ladder, walk away from the wall, look at it, walk back, go up the ladder. So, you know, once I always show up to the wall with a, a sketch in my head already, like, I mean, I'm sorry, a sketch on paper in my phone. And, uh, You know, I have I have just sketched them out before in the wall, like freehand. But I find that there's two different ways to do it easier. Obviously, the first is a projector, which you know it's it's simple. You go at night, you project your image on the wall, trace, and then just trace it that way. Easy. Uh, an, an, another way that's more versatile, so you don't have to carry a projector around. Uh, you know, you can take a. There's an app on my phone that you basically take a photo of the wall, and you can use this app to kind of like. You basically, you lay out little, you spray paint little points on the wall, like 
stars, moons, letters, numbers, whatever. And then you can take a photo of the wall and then use this app to kind of lay your sketch out over top of the photo. Like say, for example, I'm painting uh, Charlie Brown. And I'll, I'll look at my, my, my phone, I'm like, oh, okay, so where I drew the moon on the wall is where Charlie Brown's arm is gonna be, you know? Where I drew the exclamation point and the number two is over where Snoopy is, you know? And you kinda, it kinda helps lay out the wall and helps with the composition. Uh, I think that's, it's the app I use is called Superimpose Studio and I have an iPhone. It's like $2, but that's kinda, that's what I use. It just, it just speeds things along and makes it faster. It's still a lot of um, still a lot of uh, uh, space you have to have to cover and fill. But how did you? Yeah, you you're working on the, uh, you're working on canvas and with acrylics when you make your can your your canvases, right? I mean, when you make yeah, your- yeah, yeah. Most of it is canvas, but I do I use acrylic on everything. Uh, so, I mean, sometimes I'll do wood paintings, but it, it's mainly canvas. And what is your favorite cartoon character character of the ones that you're doing? I just always like Donald Duck. I like his personality and I like his, I like this color scheme, the 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 white, blue and yellow. So it's it's him. That's that's my favorite. Is that what you grew up with or I mean Mickey Mouse Disney and those things? Not or? really. I'm not really a fan of Disney. I just, yeah. I just like that character. But I mean I grew up with the Simpsons, you know. I was really into comic books and video games when I was a kid like X-Men, Spider-Man, played a ton of video games. So you know, in some regard or another, I always was surrounded by these things and I've always kind of drew these things, you know, just kind of translated into my adult life. And, and, but I mean, I, of course, I mean, it's when you look at your work, it's, I mean, the, also the deconstructive part of it is you, you, you're, it's, it's not always very positive for these cartoon characters. I mean, um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, I'm working I mean, through some demons, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, I get Probably, but have you ever have you ever think, thought about creating your own? I mean, you probably have during your your youth and teens and stuff, like creating your own character. Yeah, you know. So when I was a freelance illustrator, what I what I did when I did it, what was really popular was like monsters and like gore and blood. And every single day for like eight years, I came up with a character every day, you know. And I just I got I kind of got burnt out with it, like. What I what I like so much about what I'm doing now with the the pop art is instead of me coming up with a character every day or coming up with a character and running with it, as I'm 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 picking choosing things that people already know, but I'm I'm deconstructing it. So my thing now is this is my style. It's rec- like I don't want to be recognized for a character I do. I want to be recognized for a thing that I do, and the thing that I do is a deconstruction. And I kind of just like the the idea of taking things, like I said, people know and and pulling them apart, you know, showing them in a new way. I just I find that really interesting right now. Uh, so that's you know, in the future, will I make a character? I don't know. I just for right now, because I did, you know, quote unquote original characters for so long, I just kind of wanted to do something else for a while. Yeah, and and uh, and I mean, I think there's there's uh, a certain reference in your work just to these to these characters. They're also, I mean, super super clean. Um, without knowing that, but do you? And I'm I'm not I'm not saying that this has anything to do with your art, but um, but I think you're probably you're probably a big fan of Cause, right? He did something yeah, special to cartoons, you know. Like I mean, he did this to you know, like probably similar cartoons, and think that's the only similarity between you and Cause. But I mean. There are icons. You're working with icons. Yes. Yeah. And um, so, cause is somebody you you kind of. I mean. Well, yeah. I mean, it, I would be lying to you if I said he obviously wasn't a big influence. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, I went and saw an exhibit he did in Pennsylvania at the Philadelphia Art Museum, maybe about six or seven years ago at this point. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's great work. It's very clean. It's very nice. And I. You know, I'm not trying to sit here and make excuses, but I think everyone always referenced me to cause is, is because everyone knows cause, you know, he's a household name at this point. So anyone that sees anyone else that's doing icons or clean work, oh, you're, 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 you're cause you're ripping off cause. And you know, it's, it's but that's a, not what I'm saying. I'm not, I, I, don't I know, that, I know, I, I know that, but I'm saying, no. <laughs> I know, I'm just saying that I, I get compared to him a lot, you know, yeah. and obviously the, I, I depth. You can see why, but you know, I'm, 
and also as I'm my career is progressing, like this year, I'm still using the the pop culture, but I'm I'm trying to develop ways that it speaks more to my voice. Like, you know, because I spent so long doing the neon monsters, the gore, everything, and my background is music and like punk rock, you know, that, like hardcore music. I'm trying to incorporate those elements into my work and make it more my own. Uh, so I have a show this year in November that I I feel is as far as my paintings go, the most it represents who I am the most of what I've what I've done so far. It's you know, and hopefully you know I can't ever get away from I use icons and I clean I I do clean work, but hopefully over time the costing you know it won't be so associated with my work. But as I said, I'm, I don't I didn't want to say associated, but I just you know so like see that this he's somebody who did that in a very delicate way, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like not really taking something away from things. Just yeah, I don't know how to describe it. I, personally, I'm I'm very surprised about the success of someone like Cause. I mean, I I appreciate it and I'm always super happy if any of these guys that that have been doing this for basically as long as as I've been doing this and as long as I've been doing this this gallery and you know sort of and, and even longer than that that they're having this success that they you know so a, a bunch of people from from this movement deserve this and you always have to be at the right place at the right time and uh, certain part uh, uh, periods of your life to actually go there uh, um, and 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 come to the to the to to this top i mean it's it's not just hard work and dedication it's also a lot of luck involved and yes. uh, and and i kind of i kind of like that i mean i'm i sometimes i personally i sometimes think per, i mean you know so cause was most of the time cause was too bland for me <laughs> You know, I've, I've seen them all. I've met, I met a lot of the, a bunch of these people. I've met many, many years ago, and and there's always like, you know, you like the, the you like the guy, and you sort of like you think they have something. There's something special um, about them, but it's probably not for you. You know, gotcha. you'll always have that. It's same with music. I mean, we don't all love the big musicians. We even not from punk. I mean, there's there's punk bands that that uh, that that other people like, and 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 you probably always thought they're just boring, and then they get really really huge. Then there's no need for you to you know sort of appreciate them now. Then more, you know, uh, once they reach that point. But I think I like cause, but I always think there could be a little bit more to it <laughs> but I that's understand. my that's my yeah. that's my only my personal personal thing and uh but i but i but i think it's 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 amazing that he is actually now shaking up the art market i mean the art market that you and i have nothing to do with like the auction houses and the, where the crazy money is spent where multi-billionaires just you know sort of give a little bit of their cash to to have something super valuable in their 15th home somewhere on the coast yeah exactly you know? Yeah. So that's that's always been, you know, it's interesting, it's uh it's nice, it's part of the glamour, but it's not um it's just it's, it's just not one, something you should focus on, I no, don't think. It's only 1%. Like I, <laughs> yeah, I what's what's sad about that kind of thing is it's so common knowledge now that you know, someone like Cause or Banksy or or someone even like me to a much lesser extent is successful and you can see that these pieces are moving for a high price point because it's out there it's online and you know you kind of see the lifestyle online of these artists and i think a lot of younger people just they want the lifestyle they want the money but they don't understand that these things are a byproduct of passion and hard work that takes a long fucking time to do you know like yeah, sure. i'm just i'm just now quote unquote successful and I've been doing this for 15 years. I had to fail as a freelance illustrator. I had to fail as a store owner. I did some freelance writing for a while. I failed at that. I just kept trying things until I found what worked for me and what I liked doing. And the second I found that, I found my lane, I just put my foot to the gas and I went for it, you know? And I I don't, I think a lot of younger people now, they they see like, oh, this guy's painting a Bart Simpson or whatever. I can also paint a Bart Simpson and sell it for nine thousand dollars, and it's not how it works, you know. Like, no. you, it's just people are trying to emulate things for the wrong reasons, you know. Yeah. So, that being all said, I do find it this whole art market, the the auction houses. I think it's fascinating. It's it's just a facet of business. Like, yes, I'm an artist, but I'm also a business person, and I'm concerned about those things, and I I I want to be a better businessman. 
so I spent a lot of time looking at the auction houses, you know, learning about what I can, like how to further my business of what I do. So, but these are things I didn't think about when I started. I didn't care about any of this shit. It was just, it, this all developed from over time, like a passion I had and how can I, you know, extend it to more people? How can I grow my business? You know, I don't, I don't know my point anymore, but you kind of get what I'm saying, right? I totally get what you're saying. It's, but I mean, then, I mean, you're, you're also, I mean, it's every artist is different. I mean, you're, you have a, you have a, I mean, your approach is different. You have an interest in, in the business side of things and not every artist has to have an interest in the business side of things. You're also doing the podcast to, to share your knowledge, but also just to bring the knowledge of other people that you appreciate and you probably admire, you know, sort of, uh, you know, spread the word a little bit. So you have a different approach also in your artwork. We will always have the people that don't like what we're doing. And that's, I mean, what we're doing is just, it's, people will have their opinion. They come to an exhibition and they ask themselves some certain questions. Um, uh, why is he on the walls? And not, I mean, if you're an artist and not me, and then this person is in the gallery for the wrong reasons. Simple yeah. as that. Uh, because nobody of us influences their career. I mean, I'm running a gallery for 17 years. I've uh, 17 years. I'm basically an artist since my high school days. Um, I decided against a professional artist career because I wanted to see so much of the world. I wanted to learn so many things. I've never, I don't have any formal education whatsoever, but I've done things that other people that are enough for certain lifetimes, basically. You know, I've, I've seen so many different professions. I worked as a journalist. I, when the wall came down, you know, when, when East Germany, West Germany became one, I went over there and I worked three years in East Germany. I met my wife there. Whole, my whole life is basically built around a spontaneous decision to, wow, this is happening in Germany. History right on the doorstep. I throw everything away. You know, the biggest questions of most of my friends at the time was like, can I have your flat? you know, right in the center of <laughs> yeah. Cologne or, you know, are you, are you crazy? So you have to, you know, sort of go after opportunities and everything. So, but I've been doing art my whole life and I can live off that. Yes. But I'm not a cause. I'm not in any auction houses. And if I have a successful exhibition in 2018, that doesn't mean that I'm going to have one in 2019 because this, yeah. there's, it's not, it's, I think longevity as an artist is your work. And that is the only thing that you can personally influence everything else. I mean, and, and unless of course you reach a certain level and once you've shown with Gagosian, I think you're, you're secure for your lifetime, you know, but yeah, um, exactly. who does, you know? So, and I think the, 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 the point is that you have to make, I mean, we're not, we're not in a good generation of artists like uh, Picasso and, and even before that, that, that very few got famous and well-known and a lot of them got famous after their death. We're living for right now, you know, and, and that's very important also to, we, the surviving is different, you know, sort of these days than it was in those days. So, so I think we have a, we have a completely different approach to art and, and, and how people experience it. And if you're an artist that has a gallery and that actually exhibits, you still have to focus on your work you know and, yeah exactly uh, yeah and i think that's that's basically at the end of the day the only thing that we leave behind is um well a lot of a lot of pollution <laughs> and <laughs> and uh and maybe if we're lucky we have a body of work where certain aspects of interest people enough that um that, that it can sustain us for to make a living of it you know mm. yeah exactly but even me as a gallerist, which at certain time was very successful with the thing. I mean, it's not my fault. It's just, it's just the business has totally changed. And I was always, I mean, I'm not, and I don't mind because I mean, I'm always changing things. The gallery that I'm running today is part studio, part gallery, and people, you know, love it. And I have a good client base and everything, but it's very, very difficult. You know, you have, I'm changing this concept of gallery for many years because I started the gallery by questioning the concept of a gallery, you know, because I started out of my studio and when I was young and went to galleries, People were frowning when, when we came in, you know, oh, there's these young guys, they think they're artists, huh? They haven't even studied yet, you know, and we're just like, we just wanted to look at the art, you know, and maybe yeah, get exactly. some free drinks, yeah. you know, and yeah. they, all, all these things have changed completely. And I, I just, I think we're, everyone who does this now, unless he's only focusing on getting a good, you know, sort of representation online, uh, is part of something new that's being built. I mean, look, you, you've mentioned, for example, powwow, you know, and that started, I think, in Hawaii and is now in, I don't know, in every major city in the United States as a festival with street art or? There's no, not every major city. It's, it's, it's a few, maybe four, three or four. Yeah. 
But you know what I mean? I mean, it feels like everything goes so big so fast because it's like on the internet. And then it's like, I don't know, you have, uh, I don't know, way over 100,000 followers of Instagram. Is that something that you could build your 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 financial stability for the next 30 years on or does it have you know you don't even know what happens with those 120 people when people move to the next platform you know absolutely so, yeah. yeah i so do what, think it helped that did help my career when i started but you know now that i i i use that as a platform to find a good gallery and obviously it's great to have those 100 whatever there because when i have a show i can promote to that many people and i get that many people talking about what i'm doing i you know, I think it's I think it's very important when you're starting out to kind of grow a fan base and cultivate that and think about how to do it. And I did when I started out, I spent a lot of time purposely trying to figure out how to grow my Instagram following. It I think it and it could be Instagram, it could be Snapchat, whatever. Just as long as you have a, a group of dedicated people that are gonna champion your work and you can kind of leverage that for opportunities like, you know, at the end of the day, a gallery is a business. And if if there's, unfortunately, a lot of galleries will look at an artist with a big following and, and they'll pick that artist over an artist with a small following, irregardless of the work. So, you know, same with, with brands, you know, brands sponsor the artists with a big following. Those are the ones that get you opportunities, not all the time, but it definitely doesn't hurt. So I think that's important. But I also don't think that you should solely focus on your social media following and your followers like i i just see that happen a lot i mean I, I myself sometimes get wrapped up it's just a toxic way to live like when you're only making work for instagram or whatever you know yeah one thing that i'm discussing with a, with a couple of artist friends and 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 um yeah mostly artists actually is that there has been a development on instagram maybe it was always the case you know so that for artists and art it has become their personal portfolio the the timeline that you have uh, on, on on instagram and you well you basically don't do the sharing anymore with other artists i mean you run a podcast so you're all, all always promoting other artists as well but i think there's there's a lot of people try to keep this to themselves and try totally. not to you know and that Personally, I, you know, sort of from my experience, I think this 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 can be pretty unhealthy you know, in the long run. <laughs> but, oh, I agree. But it's yeah. something that's just that's just happening. You know, I mean, I yeah, I don't know. I just looked it up. It's one hundred twenty three thousand followers on Instagram. I think that's an amazing number. I don't think there's many or any German artist that actually has that much. But that's also what we talked in the beginning. You started just earlier with this in the United States. And when Instagram oh, yeah, came to totally. Germany, it was very, very more difficult to get this followership. Also, Germans have a different kind of reacting to to the whole thing. You know, I think it's uh, from country to country, totally different. Um, yeah. but I mean, yeah, yeah, it's an impressive number, but it will not, you know, sort of it's, uh, it helped you to, to, I mean, from my perspective as a gallerist, of course, you know, you, I mean, I would, I would lie if I'd say, I don't, I'm not even interested in that. I also look at how, you know, so how, how people are followed, but I even also look into how people are followed. You know, if you have, if you have a hundred thousand followers, um, there, there may be a reason for that. And it, it, uh, it hopefully it's the right reason. And, and if somebody has a hundred thousand followers that, does it mean if I do a show with him that I sell one painting? It doesn't necessarily mean that because it's probably not the people that are in there. That's what I also mean. And if you start sharing more also other artists, you know, so if you get a different kind of profile, a different kind of vibe. But I also think every gallerist has the right to look at this their own way. And uh, you just, I mean, I think you, I don't know. And um, you, you, you've been discussing this, I think, with... I think also with Andrew, you know, from ThinkSpace, you just, as an artist, you should just really just look into what galleries are doing for their artists and with their 100%. artists, you know? So, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you see them, if they, you see them doing projects outside of the gallery, that's a good gallery, you know, gallery that actually goes into sculpture projects and, uh, and, and, and public projects. And this is not just, you know, so, and, and you see that and that's a good thing for, that's why, why it's good to have social media. That's why galleries and artists have to take care of, of what they're doing out there. Even though I just learned today from a social media expert that he says, yeah, forget your timeline. It's all just stories now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's true. But I mean, what, one thing that you can kind of use social media for and, and in regards to working with galleries is, you know, a gallery at the end of the day is just another group of people. It's a business and you're trusting them 
with your your work, your career, everything. You know, if a gallery approaches you and asks to do a show, it's so simple to go on their website, see who else they show, and reach out to those artists. Hey, yeah. artist X Y Z, did they pay you on time? How do they handle your work? You know, like nine times out of ten, an artist is going to tell you the truth about a gallery, unless they hate you for some reason. You know, but it's that's that's a benefit of social media. You know, you can reach out to people and 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 find out information because you know, we all talk, you know, just as I'm yeah. sure galleries will talk about an artist. It's hard to work with. Sure. We do the same thing with galleries, you know, and I just think it's very important to find a gallery that, you know, like you said, represents you well, treats you well, pays you on time. Cause there's a lot of them, unfortunately that don't. Yeah, no, I've, I've had the, I've, with this, with this, um, with the two hats that I've been wearing for many years, um, I had the well privilege. I wouldn't call it well. It's privilege in a certain way that I'm, for example, at an art Basel and have a great night out with artists who are all bashing on their galleries, and then I have a great dinner with galleries who are all, you know, sort of <laughs> saying the these artists sucks because you know. So like, yeah. it's, that's. <laughs> It's a weird, it's a weird thing, you know, that, uh, you, you're basically both depending on the other, <laughs> totally, 100%, no, totally. you know, so it doesn't yeah. work without the other part. And then when they're all in their own peer group together, then it's like, hmm, I've did this really huge show in Hamburg at one point, And then uh, the next day, one of my artists comes up to the opening. It was very successful. It was beautiful. It was just fantastic. The sun was shining. It was just like, you know, everybody left this place and was just like, wow, this was a great evening. And the next day, just one of these 30 artists I was working with came up and said, well, yeah, you know, um, yesterday we artists sat together and we talked about this and this. And I was just like, really? On yesterday, that evening, you spoke about things like this that never actually ever occur in your whole life, you know? Yeah, but it's yeah. just like, this is now the important thing. And it's it's exceptions, of course, but I, I've never understood where there's there's not more discussion. And I think these podcasts actually help to, to understand, you know, this I've, I've listened to a podcast recently from that is actually done by a gallerist and art consultant from London with, with Tracy Emin. I loved Tracy Emin when she came up. I still love her work. I hated that podcast. I hated what they talked about. I thought you're so far away from anything that has any relation yeah. to real life of an artist today. Um, you know, sort of, I don't, I have to stop. <laughs> I just have to stop listening to it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, coming back, you know, sort of, and closing now. In, this podcast did not necessarily have a structure. I let these conversations more or less flow like this. I've, I, I do you have a fixed structure for your podcast when you talk to people? Is it like? Is I do. Yeah, I do. I, I, I do a lot of research beforehand, and I write out like a like talking points. You know, like oh, we're going to talk about this. It'll lead into this. So that's yeah. how I do it. That just, I don't know. I kind of like structure. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've, I have made a few bullet points before, you know, so we started talking and I'm going to make a photo of the of my notepad, which is now here uh, in front of me, where I always write certain things on it, which I still want to ask. There are certain aspects that I haven't asked you yet and that probably won't fit. One thing that I still have to ask exactly about your work, you started sculpture when? Because that is very, that is a very interesting approach. You know, it fits I, very well to, to your art, but I mean, it's uh, very complex, right? Oh, yeah. I actually don't sculpt those things. Most of the artists that have vinyl toys don't sculpt them themselves. Uh, how that works is I just, uh, I submit sketches. You know, you what you do is you send all the different angles, front, back, yeah. side, three-quarter view. And the toy companies actually make the 3D sculpt on, on like, you know, a computer. But, and that's but how this get made. Yeah, but it's still, you have to think about all these angles. It's, it is confusing to, yeah. you know, because normally when you're making a painting, you have to worry about one view, you know. But it's very important, like, you know, you're making a toy and you have to think about what the what the figure's butt is going to look like or whatever, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's something it, it is. It's it takes a very long time to make those things. Uh, I mean, I like I said, I can't really talk too much about it because I'm not the one physically sculpting them. But is there but, a mark? Is there a market? I mean, oh, my God, there's such a market. Yeah. It's it's great because uh, there's such a you know, there's a fan base that will like your paintings and your prints, you know, but they would never buy a toy ever. But there's a whole other market that loves your toys that would never buy a print or a painting. So when I started doing the figures, it, it almost doubled my market overnight. And, you know, I'll do these pop-ups or whatever where I have a new toy being released. And it's, it's like there's a frenzy for it. And it's not just me. It's, you know, a lot of artists that put out vinyl figures and whatever. Like there's such a, a fan base for those things because, you know, 
I think, you know, maybe 10 years ago, it wasn't cool to have a bunch of toys in your house. And, you know, to the general public, it still isn't. But it's becoming more accepted that, you know, I don't necessarily have a bunch of toys. But look, I have a Matt Gondek figure. I have, a, you know, a D-Face figure, whatever. I And things have changed in that aspect. So I think it's, I love having figures. It just, it's, I think it's cool, you know. I, I think it's super cool. I, you know, I do want that instance if I only knew how my characters would look from the back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to yeah, think I, about. Yeah. I, think, I think I could do it with my work. But still, I mean, I'm working three-dimensional, but still off in some of my works, but in a, well, like a stage builder thing, you know, so it's not really three-dimensional. It's just different levels, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Matt. Um After all the technical difficulties in the beginning, it was super nice talking to you. I'm uh, very yeah, glad no I, uh, that we could work this out. And thank you for your patience. And do you think there's any chance we might be seeing your work in Europe at some point? I would love that. I've I've been talking with a gallery from uh, from Germany for a long time, and it just never panned out. And I started working with the gallery I work with now. I re I really want to get over to Germany soon, even if it's Hamburg, Berlin. I'm not sure, but hopefully. Well, fingers crossed. All right. Well, I hope I hope we do. And um, yeah. Well, thanks for doing this, man. Of course. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Helium talk. Helium talk.